Okay, Numbers chapter 32. I want to start by reading verse 11 through 14. And it says, Surely none of the men of, that came out, up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua the son of Nun, for they wholly followed the Lord. The Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them to wander in the wilderness forty years, until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. And behold, ye are risen up in your father's stead an increase of sinful men to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel. Notice here that they followed him, the Bible tells us, but they didn't wholly follow him like Caleb. They'd already been saved out of Egypt, right? That's a testimony of the believer. That's a picture of salvation. We've been saved out of bondage. Uh, we've been saved out of slavery. We've been brought out of Egypt by the mighty power of God. Uh, this is a picture of, of the salvation, right? Okay, that's what we see here. They've come out of Egypt. They've been redeemed out of Egypt, amen? But they did not wholly follow the Lord. Now, oftentimes we read through this account in the Bible and we kind of look down on the children of Israel because of all the dumb choices that they made. Now, honestly, I think we might each be able to look at our own lives and look at it, uh, look at it from a, a different perspective, look at it back over the years, and we probably have to say the exact same thing. Boy, look at all the dumb stuff that I did. But we look at Israel and say, man, they made a lot of dumb choices, didn't they? But the truth is that quite often, we are just like them. You know, most of the time, we don't even realize it. So many times we choose something that seems good to us, or at least it seems to us that it's permissible according to God, but it is not what we know is the best. It is not what we believe would be God's best for our life, and so we end up suffering because of that choice. And I'll tell you, folks, it, it is so very easy for us as human beings to get sidetracked with very many good or maybe permissible endeavors, but the reality is that if it's not the best, if it's not what God wants, if it's not what the Lord wants for us, then we are just spinning our wheels and going nowhere, spiritually speaking. You can be sure that our adversary, the devil, wants this. And of course, he would love to completely ruin or destroy our testimony in our lives if he can. But if he can't, if that's something he's not able to accomplish, then you know what? I think the very next best thing in his mind that he could do is to take us as God's people and to tie us up with all kinds of extra things, to get us sidetracked with all kinds of other so-called good or permissible endeavors that will keep us busy and preoccupied so that we cannot do what God deems is best in our life. And truly, I'll tell you what, it can be hard sometimes to discern uh, at times what is the best because, or, or what, what uh, can discern with these good endeavors because all these endeavors, all these things in themselves are not bad. In fact,
fact, many of them, generally speaking, are good things if they're in their proper place. But when we focus on them, instead of focusing on pleasing the Lord and doing what he wants, we end up settling for less than his best. That's kind of the title of the message today, choosing less than his best. For example, okay, I'm going to give you a few examples just to think about it in everyday language, the way we think today. Work is a good thing, right? Brother Bill said this morning, man, don't work, you don't eat. That's Bible for you, right? It's part of God's plan for mankind that we ought to work. It is a good and necessary part of our life. But listen now. When, life, when, when work becomes so important to me that I am willing to skip church for it or I am willing to neglect serving God because of it, then I am certainly choosing less than God's best for my life. What about family? Family is, is a good and godly thing. Okay, and having a strong, healthy marriage and a strong, healthy home and family, you know what? That is a gift and a blessing from God. That is a wonderful thing. But if I become so focused on my family that I skip church for family time, or I neglect to serve the Lord with the excuse, I'm too busy with my family, then truly you're choosing less than his best. And you know what, folks, really, in my mind, there's no better way to spend time together as a family than to spend that time together serving God, worshiping him and honoring him. Amen. And you know what? That's not something you ought to do just in your home. You ought to do that in the congregation of God's people. Right. Psalms 107, 32 says, let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. That is God's will for God's people. Not just to say, I'll have church at home, me, myself, and I. You see, the family is important, but it can't be more important than God. And work is important, but it can't be more important than God. And you see, there are many other things like this, just like this as well. Things like rest. Rest in its proper place is a good thing. Relaxation. Sports, retirement, vacations, all these things are not bad in moderation and in their proper place. They are not bad things. They are at least permissible in the eyes of God, right? But when we get so preoccupied with these other ulterior endeavors, we often end up neglecting that which is most important, which is what? Mm. The Lord. Yeah. The Lord and what he wants in our life, his will and his way. Serving him, worshiping him, honoring him, pleasing him, following his will and his way for my life. That ought to be our primary focus, the primary focus of our lives as Christians. Listen, that's the way that God wants it to be in our lives. And if it's not, it's likely because I have chosen a good thing over that which is best. You know, Brother Darrell mentioned last Sunday morning, and I've mentioned numerous times as well, if you want to have a good marriage, it needs to be a triangle. Needs to be with the, the husband on one side and the wife on the other and both looking 
with God at the top. That's the way a home, a good home ought to be as well. And you know what really the reality of it is that that's the way it ought to be in every single area of our life with God at the top. With the Lord having the preeminence. Because when we push him to the side for these other good things, our priorities are not right, and we're trading that which is best for that which is permissible or okay. And it's not what God wants. That's why Israel wandered 40 years in a desert, because they chose that which, which was permissible or okay, rather than that was, which was what God wanted for their lives. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11 says this. Now I like this. I like this verse for many reasons. But it says here, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and listen, and for Thy pleasure. Amen. For Thy pleasure. Not my pleasure. Not your pleasure, not somebody else's pleasure, but for his pleasure, they are and were created. This text makes it abundantly clear that our lives, not just even just a Christian's life, but individuals' lives on this planet in general, our lives are to be about pleasing him and bringing him honor and glory. Because that is the reason you were created. That is your whole purpose in existence on this planet. You know what, folks? Oftentimes, if we're not careful, we will get sidetracked with the many things which are good, or maybe at least permissible, to the neglect of that which is best for our lives. We often get caught up in... In, in the good that our life has to offer, that our good God has given to us, rather than getting caught up in the good God that gave us this good love. Truly, listen, folks, we still need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's still in the book. Amen. And we still need to give Jesus Christ Preeminence in all things and in all areas of our lives, for that is what's best. As our text says, to wholly follow the Lord. Just like it says about Brother Caleb. And I tell you what, he's one of my heroes, I think, in the Bible. I like Brother Caleb. Give me that mountain, he said, right? Yeah. And he wholly followed the Lord. That means completely, totally. He was surrendered to do whatever God wanted and to serve God with everything that he had. That is what's best. You know, if we choose to allow ourselves to get caught up in living for all these other good things, good things, rather than living for that which is best, we're going to end up like a car stuck in the mud. Always spinning our wheels, and yet never really going anywhere, spiritually speaking. I've seen a lot of people just like that. You know what, friend? Nothing good ever results from us choosing less than God's best. Don't deceive yourself into thinking otherwise. Now, unfortunately, this is the sad story of many, many Christians' lives. Their life is a, is a story, a succession of choosing less than God's best. Always choosing second best when God has so much better for them that he desires for them to have. Yet they say, uh-uh, 
I'll choose this thing that's permissible, this thing that's okay, this thing that's good, and replace it with what, what is best in your eyes in my life. This also, friend, is the same sad story that we see here concerning the children of Israel that died in the wilderness. Yes, they were saved out of Egypt, weren't they? They were brought out of Egypt just like all the rest of them. And yet, and yet, although they were saved out of Egypt, they got stuck in the desert because they chose less than God's best for their life. And so I want us to notice here today, in this text, what resulted in their lives individually when they chose less than God's best in their lives. The very first thing I notice here is the wandering. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 13. Let's read verse 13 once again. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. So the Bible tells us here that the Lord made them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, Christian, if you, I don't know, maybe some of you have done this before, but when you study the route of the children of Israel, you clearly see, you know what, they could have chosen very quickly and directly to go march right into the promised land. They had that chance. They could have by faith done that. But instead, as you trace the path that they took, you find that they wandered in circles in the desert for 40 years because in fear, they chose to be faithless and to choose less than God's best for their life. You know, it makes me wonder how long might some of us need to aimlessly wander through this life because we repeat, repeatedly choose less than God's best for our lives. And you know what's even sadder is that some of you probably will choose to live like this the rest of your Christian life, no matter what I say this morning. And you, like the children of Israel, you will waste your Christian life wandering aimlessly from one good endeavor to another. Because you are unwilling to choose what is best. You are willing to choose what the Lord wants. And you rather take that permissible substitute. And it's frustrating. Because you know what? You'll always come to find that nothing satisfies. Yeah. Did they find anything satisfying wandering in the desert? They certainly did. You know what? You'll find it to be the same case too when you choose that route. You'll always find that nothing satisfies when you live your life in that manner. And you won't just wholly follow the Lord. Wholly, totally, completely Christian. Not half-heartedly. Not just a little bit. Not, not just a tiny bit. Come on now. With everything you got. Wholly, completely. Amen. You know, I'm reminded also of Brother Jonah. Jonah, too, wandered from God and what God wanted, didn't he? Right. It wasn't fun, was it? Certainly it wasn't. I'm sure, 
To say the least, it was frustrating to be in a whale's belly for three days and three nights. And I've seen so very many Christians just like this that they, they get sidetracked with the many other affairs and cares of this life that are permissible or even good or okay in the eyes of God, but they're not best. And they get sidetracked and they start wandering and wandering and wandering and wandering. Never accomplishing anything really for God because they're out there tied up with all those cares and affairs that are okay, but not what God really wants for their life. You know what's really sad? I've even seen this happen with some preachers. Where they get going through the motions, they, they gave their life to serve God. I mean, they really got on fire, started preaching for God, doing everything they could. And all of a sudden, there came a day where they started getting sidetracked with ulterior endeavors. And guess what? It wasn't long before you looked at your life and you could say, you know what, they're wandering. They're out there just going around, spinning circles in their life, making no progress at all. Because they have traded what was best for some ulterior thing that really wasn't what God had wanted. Yeah. You know what, the end result is always sad. It's never good. Maybe some of you even right now have somebody on your mind. You say, preacher, they are just like what you're talking about. Yeah, I know they trusted Christ. I saw them come out of Egypt. I saw them saved from the bondage. I saw them redeemed out of, out of the hand of the enemy. I saw God do that in their life. And yet they've never set foot on the promised land. They've never set foot on completely, totally surrendering to the will of God in their life. And they've just sensed them because they've been unwilling to do the best of what God wants in their life. They're just going like this. And sure, they show up at church once in a while. They read their Bibles a little bit. They pray a little bit. But they continue exerting all their efforts, going in circles with these ulterior endeavors that are not God's best for their life. Listen, friend, it's sad. I hope you'll take it to heart this morning because this is not the end that I want for you. I don't want you to live your life and burn the candle at both ends and one day wake up and realize I wasted it all wandering around accomplishing nothing for God. Because I always decided, hey, this is a good thing. This is permissible. I'll get tied up in this and then I had no time for what was most important in the eyes of God. You know, the choice is yours. The preacher can't do it for you. The missionary can't do it for you. The deacon can't do it for you. You've got to make that choice. Just like every one of those Israelites did. Now, Caleb, he was one of those Israelites too. But you know what it says about him? He wholly followed the Lord. I mean, he, there was nothing held back there. I am going to be full tilt doing what God wants, surrender to what God wants in my life. I'm not going to substitute that which is good for what God's best is for my life. And listen, friend, we need to be like Caleb. Right. We do not need to be like those Israelites wandering around through this life, never accomplishing anything for God because of the fact that we're always trading what is God's best for something that is okay. May God speak to our heart. We need this message in churches all across America today because this is what's happening, happening in American Christianity. Church after church after church, Christian after Christian after Christian. We're saying, okay, I'm saved. Praise God. Glory, hallelujah. I'm redeemed out of Egypt. 
Now I'm going to get tied up with all this mess over here. It's okay. It's permissible. And you wander for 40 years and waste your entire Christian life never accomplishing anything for God, never really growing, never really being fruitful. Why? Because you keep trading what's God's best for something that's permissible. And you know what the reality is? It's not okay because you're wasting your life. Yeah. And you were bought with a price. You're not your own, right? You're to use it to the glory and the honor of God for His pleasing. Amen. Would to God that American Christians would wake up again and see the need once again to bring glory to God in their life and please Him first of all. You see, when they chose this path, the Israelites, it resulted in them wandering for 40 years. I notice it also resulted in wilderness. Verse 13 tells us the place of this wandering was where? In the wilderness. That refers to a barren, dry, fruitless place, a desert, so to speak. And listen, friend, when you choose to allow yourself to settle for less than God's best in your life, you are choosing to dwell in a spiritual desert. You're choosing to plant, your, plant yourself in a place of spiritual barrenness. And in that place, you will find little to no growth. You're going to find little to no fruit because you are in a place of spiritual drought. Only when I choose his best can I expect growth and fruitfulness. When was the last time you saw growth and fruitfulness in your life? Mm -hmm. Something new and fresh that occurred in your life because of God working in it. When was the last time that happened? Maybe it's because you're in the wilderness, Christian. Maybe it's because you've already been out there wandering around for quite some time. And nothing's happening because you keep choosing what's okay, what's permissible over God's best for your life. Only when I choose his best can I expect growth and fruitfulness. Right. In fact, you know what? The promised land where God wanted them to go represents the will of God. And how is it described? The Bible tells us it was flowing with milk and honey. The Bible also tells us that when they went to check out the land, the grapes there were so large that they had to be carried on a pole between two men. Wow. You see, truly when I choose his best and I wholly follow the Lord, I will find it a land of bounty and blessing, spiritually speaking. I'll find it a land of spiritual growth and fruitfulness. But when I settle for that which is less than God's best for my life, I will wander and wander and wander in dry places. And I will endure barrenness, the barrenness that is found in that of the desert. Now, you think about that for a second. What do you want to describe your life, Christian? A desert? Or a place of fruitfulness like the, the promised land? Flowing with milk and honey, grapes so large they had to be carried on a pole between, between two men, right? I think I know what I want. When you get the visual picture in your mind, desert, abundant, fruitful place, okay? What do you want? 
You know you want the abundant fruitful, right? Anybody with any common sense at all knows, I want that. So why do we keep running back to the wilderness? Why do we keep trading God's best for that which is second best? Come on now, Christian, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. We need to start lifting our eyes up to heaven and realizing there's more to this life than just living for what you can get here and now. We gotta live for the hereafter, amen. Lay up tre treasures in heaven. You know what? The communists take over our country. Your bank account's not gonna be worth a whole lot. You know what? Probably neither is your house nor your possessions. You know what happened in the Soviet Union when they took over? Somebody had a big house. They confiscated it and divided it up for multiple families to live in. Happened all over the Soviet Union, things like that, where they confiscate all the people's property and they redistributed it however they saw fit. Now, I don't want that to happen. But you know what? I'm not trusting in the possessions that I have anyways. God will always provide a place for me to live. God will always provide enough provision for me to survive and do what he wants for me to do. I'm not focused on earthly things. I'm not focused on building greater barns and filling them up. Amen. Amen. I'm focused on wholly following the Lord because that is what is best. And you know what? When I won't choose that, it will result in me wandering and it will result in me dwelling in that which a place, spiritually speaking, which is like a wilderness, a desert, which is barren and fruitless. And that is not God's will for your life, Christian. It's not what he wants for you. Notice also number three. So when I choose less than his best, it results in wandering. It results in a wilderness. It results in wasted years. Look at verse number 13. We'll read it again. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them to wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. This tells us that they wandered in this wilderness for 40 whole stinking years. I don't know about you, but just thinking about that aspect of it alone, that is miserable. I mean, what an awful thought that is that they would literally waste a complete 40 years of their life. Now, I don't know about you. I don't like wasting anything. I mean, even in high school, I had a pair of shoes. They got a hole in them. They were comfortable. I taped them up with duct tape and said, man, they're good to go. I didn't want to waste them. My mom threw them out, but I didn't want to waste them. But you know what? Probably the worst thing of all to waste is time. Because you know what? Those wasted seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years, you know what? They can never be redeemed, can they? They can never, ever be replaced again. You know, for me personally, it irritates me to death to spend my time, to give all my effort on something that ends up having no real benefit. And you look at the life of the children of Israel. Is that not exactly what happened in their life? They're going like this for 40 years. They're going like this over and over and over. Always exerting energy. Always exerting lots of effort. Always busy. They were busy. Were they not busy? They were always busy. But never moving anywhere. Never really accomplishing anything. 
And I'll tell you what, that was that irks me to death. I mean, there's been a few times, and I'm not a mechanic like Brother Bill, but there's been a few times I've tried to fix something on my car, and I get that thing done or half done, and I realize, you know what? I'm not doing it right. I've got to pull the thing all apart again. Have you ever had that happen, Brother Bill? Well, he, I'm glad I don't feel so bad now since he's a mechanic. <laughs> I'm not. But there's been a few times I've had to do that. I've had to pull the thing either that or I put it all together and it doesn't work, and I've got to put it all apart again. I'm like, Ugh! I mean, it eats me up. There's been other times I can remember in Ukraine. They say, we want this paper, this paper, this paper, this paper, and this paper. I love papers, don't you, Miss Vicky? <laughs> and we'd come in with every single paper that they wanted. And they'll look at us and say, no, you don't need this paper, this paper, this paper, and this paper. You need these 10 other papers. After we just spent like a whole week getting all those papers. And I'll tell you, you walk out of the door, you don't feel like being a real Christian, are you, Brother Chad? Because you hate wasting the time, right? And you know what the, the sad result is that that's the truth of what happens when you and I get sidetracked and we choose not to wholly follow the Lord. That is so much the truth. You spin your wheels and they spin and they spin and they spin in that barren place and yet they never go anywhere or accomplish anything of any real eternal value. Why? Because you are repeatedly choosing less than his best. Choosing that which is okay. Choosing that which is permissible. Choosing that which may even in itself be, be a good thing. Yet when you put it above God, it becomes not what God wants. Is there really any other better choice than God first? There isn't. How, many, how often, how frequently do we take God from first place? And say, okay, well, this is a good thing. My work's going to come first. My family's going to come first. My relaxation, rest, vacation, you name it. My golf, hey, I've been there. <laughs> it's going to come first. And what have we done? We've traded that which is best for maybe a good or okay or permissible thing. God's not happy with that, friend. And what does it result in? It results in us wandering in a wilderness place, barren and fruitless, and wasting years of our life to no benefit. Boy, I don't like that. I mean, if, if ever there's something that would eat me up as a thought, and I would live my life, and it would not count for Jesus. That song I think Sarah used to sing, I want my life to count for Jesus. I think Jessica might have seen it, sang it a couple times as well. Boy, that has so much meaning in it. I want my life to count for Jesus, amen. And what happens is when I get so sidetracked with all the other cares and affairs of life, I'm out there spinning my wheels in the desert in a dry, barren, and fruitful place. And one day I'm going to stop in my tracks and I'm going to look back and all this happened. And I'm going to say, where did those years go? What happened to all the time? Boy, I've been through all this time, and what have I actually done for God? 
And I think at that stage, we're going to have to just fall down on our knees and say, woe is me. Because you know what? I'm a preacher, and I've given my life to serve God in the ministry, and I've not done enough for his name. And yet how many of us are substituting some good things for what is God's best? You say, well, how do you know, preacher? You know what? If you don't show up here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you're substituting something. If you don't have time to call on God's name in prayer, and I'm not talking about those petty little prayers here and there throughout the day. I'm really getting alone with God. You know what? It's because probably you're substituting something. You know what? If you don't have time to daily open the word of God, you don't have time to serve God, and you don't have time to tell others about the Lord Jesus and how they can be saved. Listen, something is amiss, Christian. Maybe, just maybe, it's because you've got things out of order in your life. You need to start seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness once again and put Jesus back in first place once again. What about you? How many years? Some of you have already wasted many years, probably. How many years are you gonna? How many years are you gonna waste just spinning your wheels, going through the motions of Christianity, but not really giving your best to God, not really wholly following Him? How many years? You know what I can guarantee happened with the children of Israel? I bet they got up there about twenty years. Maybe 30 years, maybe 35 years, maybe up to 39 years, and they started looking back. I'm sure at that stage they started scratching their heads and saying, man, if only I followed the Lord. If only I'd surrendered to what God wanted in my life. If only I had wholly followed God and done what was best, what He wanted in my life, rather than substituting all these other permissible, okay things that wasn't really what God wanted. Boy, I have wasted so much of my Christian life. You know what? You may not see it now, but you will one day. One day you're going to stand before the judgment throne of God, the Bema seat. You're going to stand before an almighty, holy Lord Jesus with flaming eyes of fire. And you're not going to wish that you've done less for God. You're not going to wish that you invested more time in all these ulterior, uh, permissible things of this life. But I can guarantee you, you'll wish that you'd spent more time wholly following the Lord. Yes. What about you? Will you look back at many wasted years or will you put a stop to it today? Even like Brother Bill said, you can put a stop to it right now. Because you know what? You'll thank yourself later on if you say, today's the end. Right now, I'm done with this. Jonah got to that place, didn't he? It didn't take him a whole long time. After three days and three nights in the belly of the wild whale, he said, that's enough. <laughs> I repent, God. I want to do what you want me to do. And out he came, stinking and smelling. But you know what? He was ready to do what God wanted. Amen. Truth is, we stink and smell too when we want to do what God wants. What about you? What choice will you make? We waste the years, we wander, we dwell in that barren place, never growing to be what God wants you to be. 
where you say, no, no more of that for me. I am going to wholly follow the Lord, just like Joshua and just like Caleb, because I want what God says is best for my life. I want promised land, not wilderness. Amen. So notice, when they chose less than his best, it resulted in wandering. You can examine your life. You can see if these things are there. It resulted in wandering, spiritually speaking. It, 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 it resulted in wilderness. It, involved, it resulted in wasted years. I noticed number four, it resulted in their woeful end. Look with me, if you would, in verse 13 once again. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel. He made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. They wandered until when? Until they were consumed, right? Do you notice how God described them? They just, they didn't, what, what did they do? Did they do any great sin? The one thing they really did is time and time and time again, they traded what was God's best for something that was permissible. And God here describes them. And he says, until all that generation that had done what? Evil. God said it was evil when they traded it. They would not possess that promise and they would not wholly follow the Lord. God says that's evil. Christian, listen. It's evil when you say, no, God, I'm going to invest all my time and all my cares into all this extra permissible stuff rather than serving you with all my heart. God says, that's evil, Christian. I bought you with a price. Yes, amen. Don't you know that you belong to me? Don't you know that I paid for you with my blood on the old rugged cross? Is there not anything more precious to live for in this life than the one who bought you and paid for you so you don't have to go to hell? It's evil when you don't. Maybe you just don't care. Maybe you're going to let that go in one ear and out the other and keep on living your life the way you please, spinning your wheels in the wilderness. But God is not pleased, and you're deceiving yourself to tell yourself that. That's right. The only one that God was pleased with here in this text was who? Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they wholly followed the Lord. <laughs> they would not trade that which was permissible for that which was best. They wanted God's best. I think about this. They wandered until this generation that had done evil was consumed. That's what the Bible says. It resulted in their end. They died in that desert. And it provokes me to ask the question to us as God's people. How long, Christian? How long will you dwell in the wilderness? How long will you be content to settle for less than God's best, to settle for something that's permissible or okay, but not really what God wants in your life. Will you be like these Israelites? Will you die in that barren, dry place because in self-centeredness and pride, you would rather choose your permissible will, your permissible endeavors, rather than the best that God has for your life? You know what, friend? That only leads to a woeful end. It only leads to a wasted life. 
which is consumed completely in a barren and unfruitful and unproductive place, which has no benefit to us nor God. Yeah. Reminds me of the, those who the Bible says will come before the Bema Steep and they'll be saved yet so as by fire because they're saved but they have nothing to offer God. Right. How long will you be content, Christian, with wandering and wilderness and wasted years? Because you won't choose, like Caleb, to wholly follow the Lord. You're going to give your tidbit. Here, God, you can have my crumbs. I'm going to invest the bulk of what I've got, my time, my effort, my finances, into all these ulterior, okay, permissible, good things. Here, God, you get your tidbit. I might show up at Sunday, Sunday school and Sunday morning service once in a while. I might pray a little bit once in a while. I might read my Bible a little bit once in a while. Maybe if I really feel like it once in a great while, I'll tell somebody about you and that you can save them. Or I'll, I'll, I'll be willing to serve you maybe just a little bit, God, but I'm not going to wholly do it, that's for sure. How long? How long will you be content with wandering wilderness and wasted years because you won't choose like Caleb to wholly follow the Lord. You know, the choice is yours. You know what? Remember, friend, you're not going to get a do-over. You better get it right now. Think about this for a moment. Jonah could have very well died in that whale's belly just like Israel died in that desert. But instead, the Bible tells us that he repented and submitted to what God wanted. And he was given another chance, another further opportunity uh, to, to grant fruit from God. And you read that text, we read one of the greatest revivals that we see in the entire Bible. When Jonah finally got right with God and did what God wanted. <laughs> the whole town repented in dust and ashes. What will you choose? Will you die in your deserts? Or will you wholly follow the Lord? The choice is yours. Right. When they chose less than his best, it resulted in wandering. It resulted in wilderness. It resulted in many, many wasted years. And ultimately it resulted in their woeful end because they died in that place of barrenness. Right. And lastly, I want you to notice it resulted in a wrong example as well. <coughs> Look with me, if you would, at verse number 14. And behold, ye are risen up in your father's stead, an increase of sinful men to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel. This verse uses the phrase, in your father's stead. Meaning that these couple of tribes it's referring to they were rising up in the same way and according to the same manner as the bad example of their fathers who had died in that barren wilderness you know it is ought to cause us to remember that whether we like it or not others are watching you and whether you like it or not, others are going to be affected by our choices, just like Brother Bill was talking about this morning during the Sunday school hour. I think this applies even more so to our children. Listen, folks, this generation 
we, we can look at this generation. We've got to say truly this generation died in that desert. They left a bad example for the generation that followed them, didn't they? And it makes us ask the question, what type of example will you leave behind? You know what? You've got children. Some of you have got grandchildren. Some of you have got other relatives that are watching very closely how you're going to live your life, your Christian life. If they see you out wandering in the desert like this and see that type of Christianity portrayed, do you think they're really going to want it? I don't. In fact, maybe that's why we see so many young people that are fleeing from the church nowadays. For many years now, they've got a stat out there, I don't even know what the percentage is, of how many young people that grew up in Christian homes grow up to just not even go to church anywhere any longer. Why? Well, I think it's probably because the type of Christianity they saw in their parents and their grandparents. What type of example are you going to lead, Christian? Would it be like that of Caleb? That you wholly followed the Lord. You chose God's best. You know, it's not too late. As Brother Bill said this morning, it's not too late. Put a stop to it now. Say, I've, I've wandered around long enough. I'm going to wholly follow God now. I mean, I'm going to just, I, I'm going to give it all I've got. What will you choose? Will you wholly follow the Lord, choose God's best? Or will you be like that of the Israelites? Maybe even this morning, you're sitting here, the message is going in your ear, and it's never making it down to your heart. It's just going out the other side. And you've already determined, even before I reach the end of the service, that you're going to continue in your desert and you're going to die there. Because you've chosen to settle for that which is permissible or okay rather than what is best. And you know what? The choice is yours. Nobody's going to force you to set a good example for your family members, for your children, for your grandchildren, for those around you that are watching. But I, I don't know, but I can't speak for each of you. I can only speak for myself. I know for myself, I want my children. And I want not just my children, but the whole next generation to see me and to know that I was a man that walked with God and that wholly followed the Lord. That's what I want. I want them to see that in me. I want them to look at me and say, man, you know what? He's encouraging me to want to go possess the promised land. Just like that next generation that rose up. They saw Joshua. They saw Caleb. They heard Caleb rise up and say, hey, I'm 80 years old, but bless God, give me my mountain. Amen. Amen. I want that next generation to see that, especially my children. I want them to know that I love God, that I'm following God with all my heart, that I'm walking with him on a daily basis. Because I want God's best for my life. I don't want to trade it for something that's second or third best or just okay or permissible. I want the best, amen? What about you? What will you choose? Will you choose, believer, God's best for your life? Or will you say this for something that God never really intended? Do you think that God wants something bad for you? He doesn't, right? He definitely, I think we can be assured, but he wants what is best for our lives. 
you think that God wanted the Israelites to wander for 40 years and die there and completely waste their life? I think we can assurance, with assurance say God didn't want that for them, but they chose it. And the choice is yours. God doesn't want that for you, but you've got to choose to wholly follow the Lord. And I'll tell you what, today would be a good day to put a stop to it and say, you know what? From here on out, I'm going to wholly follow the Lord. I may have been wandering a little bit in the desert from time to time, getting sidetracked with other things that really aren't that important. But I'm done with that now. I'm determined today to be like Joshua, to be like Caleb, and say, I'm going to wholly follow the Lord with everything that I've got. And I want the next generation to, to see in me a man that loved God and served God with everything that he's done. Christians, that's the testimony that the next generation needs to see in you and in me as well. Let us now all stand to our feet. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, Miss Vicki, if you'd come play on the piano, please. As you can tell, the message has been predominantly directed towards believers this morning. What about it, Christian? Would you determine to wholly follow the Lord this morning? Would you surrender? Wave the white flag and say, okay, God, I want to give it my best. I want to do all that you want for me to do. I don't want to just go through the motions of Christianity. I don't want to trade second best for something that is... Uh, for what is best for my life. I don't want to get sidetracked with things that are okay or permissible. I really want all that God wants for my life. The altar's open this morning. The Lord's spoken to your heart. I hope you'll come and pray. I'll tell you what, I think this is something that every Christian in America needs today. Why would we settle for second best when God has something better for us? Well, I pray God's spoken to your heart. If the Lord's spoken to your heart, you come and pray today. Maybe there's someone here today that would say, you know what, preacher? The message spoke to my heart, but not because I need to be saved, but because I'm still in Egypt. I've never been redeemed. I've never been saved by the blood of the Lamb. And I need to trust Christ and, and have him bring me out of that, that bondage that I might be saved. Is there anyone here like that today that can raise their hand and say, preacher, that's me. That's what I need today. Because I can't really do what's best for God in my life until I first trust Him as my Savior. Is there anybody like that here today? I'm standing hands. God knows your heart. If the Lord's spoken to your heart, Christian, you come and pray today. May God help us.